The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, the largest provider of cancer support in the U.S. and around the world. Our services are offered at over 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. If you've ever listened to our show, you've probably heard me say that there are over 12 million cancer survivors living in the U.S. today, more than ever before in our history. Of the 1.4 million people who will be diagnosed with cancer this year, there remains one type of cancer associated with pretty poor survival rates. It accounts for approximately 15% of all new cancers and is the second most commonly diagnosed cancer in men behind prostate cancer and in women only second to breast cancer. I'm talking about lung cancer. November is National Lung Cancer Awareness Month, and on today's show, which is being brought to you in part by Amgen and Genentech, we're going to take a closer look at this cancer that will claim the lives of an estimated 157,000 people in 2010. There are approximately 400,000 people living with lung cancer in the U.S. at any time. In fact, this year alone, it's estimated that 222,500 men and women will be diagnosed with lung cancer, a number that includes smokers and non-smokers. So you can see the tremendous impact lung cancer has on our population. In the next hour, you will hear from our two wonderful guests about their relationship to lung cancer and their work in this area. It is uh, sincerely our hope that by the end of the show, you'll feel more informed about lung cancer and know where to access important information on this particular cancer diagnosis. So let me introduce you to our guests. First, we have Lois Schoen-Brown. Lois is a lung cancer survivor and an advocate, and she serves as the president of the Every Breath Counts Foundation, whose mission is to raise awareness of lung cancer research and support in the South Jersey area. She is also a longstanding participant at our Gildas Club affiliate in South, Southern New Jersey. Welcome, Lois. Thank you, Kim. We are also joined by Dr. Janine Cataldo. Dr. Cataldo is a research nurse and serves as an assistant professor within the Department of Physiological Nursing Gerontology at the University of California, San Francisco. Her research and clinical focus in lung cancer includes lung cancer stigma, stigma burden, and also quality of life. Thank you for being here, Dr. Cataldo. Thanks. Glad to be here. So both of you bring incredibly important perspectives to the discussion today, so I'm going to jump right in. Um, I'm going to start with you, Lois. You okay. have been living with um, lung cancer now for really amazing, almost 16 years. So Correct. Tell us, yeah, tell us about when you were diagnosed and your, your own experience with, with lung cancer, Lois. 
It started, it seemed that I had a bronchial infection, and it just lasted longer than it usually does for me. And I knew something was wrong, but I wasn't quite sure. Uh, at the end of the bronchial infection, I coughed up blood, and I have a brother-in-law who's an oncologist in Philadelphia. So I called him, and I asked him about it, and he said he doesn't think it's anything. He thinks it's from the bronchia, but I ran immediately to the local doctors here in the South Jersey area, yeah. and lo and behold, they found on this X-ray a tiny uh discoloration and that my brother-in-law was amazed that they found it and uh from that moment on i i started um having uh the treatment i went through and a lobectomy and uh i felt very good about it because i thought i was cured and that was the basic of my first uh time with lung cancer it then reappeared yeah. uh, three years later, uh, more aggressive, uh, and it hit both lungs. And the, fir- the right lung, they had to just lop it off like a very uh, uh, biopsy. And then six weeks later, uh, they um, took out my left lung. And that's when I decided to do alternative medicine. So, um, okay, so you had the cancer. Right. You, you thought it was gone. Then it right. came back. Then they had to remove your entire lung. Correct. And then you decided at that point, so, so then were they giving you any treatment at that point, or was the surgery the main treatment? The surgery was the main treatment. There was nothing more that they could do because okay. the cancer was gone. It was gone. Okay. And right. then you decided, you say, to, to explore some, all, all, some alternative things, to try some new things in well, your life. Well, I, I thought I was in, I knew I was in trouble. If my yeah. body was producing cancer like mm. this and I couldn't, and I wasn't going to be cancer free, yeah. I needed to find other ways to protect my body. Yeah. So what, and, so what did you, what did you find? Well, I researched it and I found out that I went in for macrobiotics. Okay. I went to... Um, and what does that mean, Lois? I think maybe some of our listeners okay. might not know what that means. Uh, macrobiotics is a special way of eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, they believe in grains, greens, uh, back to Mother Nature. Okay. Very no animal fat or no animals whatsoever. Uh, fish maybe twice a week, but everything else is from the ground. And uh, and the sea, uh, very uh, big with um, sea vegetables. Okay. And I uh, went up to uh, Cushy Institute up in the Berkshires in Massachusetts, and I learned about how to cook macrobiotic. I came mm. back here and I... Um, adjusted it to my lifestyle, being that I was a uh, career woman at that point working yeah. for a local newspaper. Yeah. So, and I kept up with it for over eight years. Mm. So I felt very good about it. Mm-hmm. And um, from and that why did you why did you stop? Well, I said, oh, I, you know, I got sort of like, um, you know, cocky, and I said, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. And um, so I sort of went not as stringent, but I still have a lot of organic food in my house, and I cook with organic. Mm. Uh, I believe in organic food. 
to uh, protect my body because I don't want the chemicals mm-hmm. or the antibiotics or the uh, hormones that they give to the to anything to the animals to uh, the food and right. so forth. Right, right, right. Oh, that's so, it's really interesting. Um, Dr. Cataldo, let me bring you into the conversation. I understand that you mm-hmm. also have a connection um, to lung cancer. What inspired you to get involved in this particular field? Well, both my parents died of tobacco-related diseases at mm-hmm. the age of 69, one year after their retirement, and my father had lung cancer. And I watched him struggle with the disease and I watched him struggle with the feeling of guilt and shame. And I also watched him struggle with the feeling of being blamed. Mm-hmm. And I watched my patients who never smoked. My father was a lifetime smoker. But I watched right, my right. patients who never smoked struggle with the same feelings of guilt and blame and shame. Yeah. So that's what led me to this area of research and wanting to know more about it. Wonderful. Wow, that's, that's uh, amazing. And, and uh, I think it's always so inspiring to hear folks who have driven their career choice based on their own personal experience, and you certainly hear that a lot in the cancer, uh, in the cancer field. I know we're going to spend a good amount of time today talking about that term stigma that you um, mentioned in your comments. So tell us, tell, tell folks, well, first of all, what does that word mean, stigma, and, and as opposed to other types of cancer, why is there such a deep connection between stigma and lung cancer? Let's, let's get into that. Well, stigma is the experience of feeling shame and blame, and it's also feeling judged because of a health problem, and in this case, it's lung cancer. And it, it's based on the false belief that one caused their own cancer, whether mm-hmm. they smoked or not. Mm-hmm. So what makes it different for lung cancer, there's stigma with other diseases, but with lung cancer, this stigma arises from um, the issue of smoking. Mm-hmm. And one of the most effective things we've had to decrease the prevalence of smoking out in the world is to make smoking not normal anymore, to make it not mm-hmm. socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. We call that the denormalization of smoking. Mm-hmm. So that 50 years ago, it was perfectly normal. It was part of everyday social interaction to smoke. But as we denormalized it, we um, began to make smokers sort of the pariahs of society, you know, kind of push them out into the cold sidewalks and make them Mm -hmm. smoke outside. And you'll hear comments like, oh, you must be crazy to smoke. So it's that, that the stigma of smoking then got translated to lung cancer, whether you smoked or not. It became, mm-hmm. it's sort of hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Right. So, what, so what do you say, Dr. Cataldo, to the critics who say, well, of course somebody who smoked caused their own lung cancer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you, know, that, you know, based on everything that we know and have known for years now, mm-hmm. it, isn't it their fault? What do you say to those critics? I say absolutely not. Um, smoking is an addiction. It's one of the most difficult addictions in the world, and only 60% of lung cancer patients did smoke. They're still mm. the non-smokers. And there's secondhand smokes involved too, but we haven't historically been measuring that in our diagnoses. So um, there's other factors that are involved. There's addiction, there's genetic predisposition, there's the environment, there's asbestos. There's a multitude of um, predictors, I mean, a multitude of factors in lung cancer. And as science goes on, we're learning that there's not just one lung cancer. There's many different kinds. Mm-hmm. And we're going to learn even more about that, aren't we, in years to come? Mm-hmm. 
We don't know. And it's about happening genetics, fast. genetic links, environment, other environmental factors. I mean, this field is really just opening up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's brand new. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, had ju- I had just heard about a uh, study that it has shown that more women are coming down with lung cancer, and of the women that are coming down with it, more than 60% of them are non-smokers. So, uh, and that was an alarming rate. Uh, that was quoted to me uh, last week mm-hmm. by somebody who is a lung cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. In- interesting, interesting. Um, uh, for our listeners, November is National Lung Cancer um, Awareness Month, and uh, we've got two uh, terrific guests who are with us today. We have Lois Schoen Brown, who is a lung cancer survivor, 16 year lung cancer survivor Correct. and an advocate, and uh, we have Dr. Janine Cataldo. She is a research nurse, and um, she is at uh, UCSF University of California at San Francisco. We're going to take a quick break here on uh, Frankly Speaking About Cancer, and we are going to pick up on this discussion around lung cancer. Thanks. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community a global network of education and hope. Journey into the realm of spirit, the source of all things. Master fear in these tumultuous times and learn ancient ways to abundant love and healing. Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity, will awaken the unique genius within you. Host Christina Pratt challenges you to initiate your innate powers within to gain health, well-being, and joy through the practices of Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. Tune in each week to Why Shamanism Now, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on 7th Wave Network. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Morphotech and by Novartis Oncology. We are joined today by Lois Schoen-Brown, a lung cancer survivor and a member participant at our Gildas Club affiliate uh, of South Jersey, and Dr. Janine Cataldo, lung cancer stigma expert. Uh, as I mentioned before the break, November is National Lung Cancer Awareness Month, so we're focusing on this cancer that will account for 15% of all new cancer diagnoses this year. And Lois, I have to tell you, you referenced both Philadelphia and South Jersey, so I'm a, I'm a Philly girl. 
Oh, born, welcome. Born and raised, and my parents live in Ocean City, New Jersey. Not so. too far from me. Not too far from you and not too far from the Gildas Club there. In fact, we're going to all go and visit Gildas Club over the, over the Thanksgiving holiday. So um, so, so glad about your involvement there. Um, so, Dr. Cotaldo, let's go back to this conversation about stigma. Now, we talked about stigma. It's about shame. It's about blame. It's about being judged. Um, and that there's a real high rate of stigma associated with the lung cancer diagnosis uh, because of the uh, association um, with smoking. So, let, so, so let's talk about that. What are the different ways lung cancer patients um, experience stigma? Are they, you know, second-class citizens in, in, in the healthcare world? Well, yeah, I had to listen to people's stories. And what I heard from people with lung cancer, and I'm sure, Lois, you can contribute to this, right. is a myriad of negative experiences, but the number one is after revealing their diagnosis, people automatically say, did you smoke? Right. Because right. it's seen as a self-inflicted disease. Um, they talked about keeping it secret because they didn't want to be judged. Um, they'd been told that lung cancer is what they deserve for smoking. They'd actually heard that from um, clinicians, family, associates, um, there was a feeling that people distanced themselves from them once they found out about their lung cancer. They felt isolated. Um, second-class citizen was often a term that the one that you brought up is often a term that they mentioned. And many people feel like they lost friends. They worried about being discriminated against. And predominantly, they felt guilty and they felt shame. Now, Dr. Cataldo, I have heard instances of primary care doctors not even referring mm-hmm. lung cancer patients to oncologists for care. Have you heard that as well? Well, yes, and people have started to investigate that and to look at that to see if lung cancer patients are um, less likely to be treated, less likely to be referred. Mm-hmm. But when you listen to patients' stories, they had a deep feeling that um, lung cancer patients might not get taken care of. They had a mistrust of clinicians and felt like that they wouldn't be offered the best care. I heard that over and over again. Fortunately, well, I, go ahead, Liz, please. Fortunately, uh, because of my brother-in-law, I had the best care. Mm-hmm. I, he mm-hmm. handpicked my medical team and uh, made sure that I had everything available to me. So I, I can't, I can't relate to that, mm-hmm. but. Uh, and I haven't heard anything from other lung cancer survivors, which mm-hmm. are very few, that they had that kind of treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being in a part, probably a larger uh, city, you would have more uh, incidences like that. Well, you know, I agree with you completely. I work with wonderful oncologists here and thoracic surgeons here at UCSF, and I see them provide the best care for every patient that comes through the door. And I also want to stress that um, these comments that I've gotten from people have been across the nation, and um, they they are perceptions. I Mm -hmm. don't yet know if they're realities, but they are perceptions. That's how they feel about the care they do receive or might receive. Well, I have to tell you, you know, we've got 50 centers, 50 affiliates across the country, and we're serving a lot of people with lung cancer. And I, and I do have to say that I've heard folks with lung cancer say that when they come into one of our centers, it's the first place 
where they actually feel like a person with cancer, not a person with lung cancer. Not It's the first place somebody mm. didn't ask them if they were a smoker. It's the first place where they feel like they can just be there and exist with other cancer patients and cancer survivors. And that, um, you know, we also know that there's a common experience that people have when they're diagnosed with any cancer. People feel a loss of control. People feel a sense of isolation. People feel a loss of hope. And, um, you know, we certainly have experience that that's particularly heightened with a lung cancer diagnosis. So I, I think that, I, you know, I just want folks to know that, that uh, you know, with lung cancer, if you're listening or others that you know, that, it, you know, I, I want folks to know that we've got these centers around the country where you are a person with cancer. You have the same right to treatment. You have the same right to care. You have the same right to support and education as a person with any, um, any kind of cancer. And I think it's important that all of us continue to, to really right. reinforce um, uh, that message. So, so Dr. Cataldo, so as a healthcare professional, can you talk about how stigma impacts communication, interaction between a healthcare professional and the patient, and, and, and can we go into that, um, uh, you know, a little bit more? Do you have advice for, sure. for patients in terms of interacting with the healthcare team? Well, you know, Shame and blame is a real um, destructive dynamic. Um, With a sense of shame, it's very difficult for patients to advocate for themselves. It's difficult for them to speak up and to um, ask for what they need. Um, A clinician's attitude can be one of blame, but it can be a very subtle sort of unconscious um, dynamic that becomes a real part of communication. It can impact on... um, Communication in a way that um, treatment decisions are getting made that physician or clinician beliefs might impact how they decide what referrals to make and what decision treatments. Um, Over 50% of the 600 people that I have interviewed across the country are people with lung cancer that believed that smokers could be refused treatment. Mm -hmm. and they believe that they could receive a different treatment than non-smokers. And wow. the other wow. thing is they, they didn't feel as if their smoker's cough was taken seriously. Wow. But interestingly, non-smokers believed all of this too. It, there was no difference between the smokers and the non-smokers in those beliefs. It prevents people from receiving timely um, treatment. And now yep. screening that new study that just came out, yes. CT scans of smokers and ex-smokers can save lives. Yes. It can decrease lung cancer mortality by 20%. Yes. So it can definitely get in the way of whether or not people decide to claim that they were smokers and that they need, um, they need screening. Now, that CT scan that you're referring to, and I believe it's called the spiral CT, mm-hmm. is that correct? Mm-hmm. Now, it's, so we just had this, the results of this study that came out that were really, you know, kind of transformational. Um, but we're really at a point where it's not a, it's not a primary diagnostic tool, the pr- primary screening tool, and insurance companies are not paying for it or not. So how do we, how do we bridge that gap? Well, it's going to be a while before we translate it from research to actual practice. I mean, yeah. We still have to evaluate whether or not um, the radiation from the CT is worth the um, cost of um, finding out whether or not you have lung cancer. There's a lot of false positives. Um, so it's going to be a while before it gets translated. Mm-hmm, right. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So I imagine we're going to see some more information and some more, uh, you know, advocacy um, certainly on that front to see how, if and when, and how it's brought, mm-hmm. you know, actually, actually into uh, into practice. Um, Lois, so when you, so in your own experience, when you told folks you had lung cancer, was was that the first question they asked whether you smoked? Always. They, Always. everybody said it. Uh, but it didn't bother me because I'm a very positive person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, I did smoke, but I don't believe my cancer was caused by my smoking. Mm-hmm. It was uh, ge- either the genes or a weak, uh, a weak cell. Uh, and I just felt that I was the unfortunate one to have come down with it. But I always had a positive outlook on it, and I don't know if that brought me to this day or just that I had what they called a good cancer, which was a bronchial alveolar, and it's very slow-growing. It's still, I still feel very positive about mm-hmm. the whole experience. Well, uh, we certainly at the cancer support community believe that your positive attitude had something to do with the fact that you're here today to tell your story. So uh, <laughs> we, we very much believe in the in the power of that attitude. And, and right, and, uh, but I know. also believe that people are so misinformed mm-hmm. because there are other cancers out there that smokers can get. I mean, one is pancreatic cancer. Mm. You can't tell me that if you are a breast cancer survivor and you smoke, that didn't attribute to your breast cancer. So cancer gets affected um, on your uh, genetics and your how you live, but I I don't believe it's one specific uh, thing that can cause it. I think it's a myriad of stuff. Well, I know, and we just got a minute or two till the break. Um, Dr. Cataldo, are, what are we seeing in terms of link, linkage of, of smoking to other cancers? Oh, we're finding it implicated in almost all cancers, and um, a study just came out that looked at breast cancer survivors, right, and they right. were much less likely to survive if they were smokers. Mm-hmm. But we see, we see smoking with bladder cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right about pancreatic cancer. We um, are looking at hematology cancers. So it is definitely not just lung cancer. Oh, um, pharyngeal cancer, mm-hmm. cancers of the mouth. Yes. So it's widespread, but yeah. nothing gets connected with smoking like lung cancer. Right. Well, and again, just quickly, I think we're also we're going to also see, I think, more and more as we study this, more and more um, lifestyle behavioral links to mm-hmm. to cancers as well in terms of uh, obesity, in terms of diet, exercise, right. consumption of red meats, things like that. I think mm-hmm. that that's only Dr. Cataldo going to be a, a growing field, correct? Right. 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 We do have a tendency to blame people for their cancers. You know, if you had just lived a healthier life or if you had just um, exercised more, if you had just eaten the right things, but nothing like lung cancer. You could say that for heart. Yeah. I mean, you know. Right, right, right. So I think that the more we study this, the more we are going to see those linkages, the more we study obesity, diet, lifestyle, stress, management, all of those elements. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, Today on the show, we are talking about lung cancer. November uh, is Lung Cancer Awareness Month. We've got two uh, great guests with us today. We're just going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Thanks. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you a breakaway from cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and today we're joined by Lois Schoen Brown, a lung cancer survivor participant at our Gilded Club of South Jersey, and Dr. Janine Cataldo, a lung cancer stigma expert. November, as we've said, is National Lung Cancer Awareness Month, so we're focusing on this cancer that affects hundreds of thousands of people, uh, including smokers and non-smokers, um, and we're really learning a great deal about the disease today and about the stigma that's attached to the disease. Um, Lois, you've been attending Gilda's Club of South Jersey since it opened its doors in, uh, in 2002, and again, I've had the pleasure of visiting there and, and spending time with our wonderful uh, wonderful staff there. So tell us about your relationship with the organization, some of the programs that you've participated in, and what you've observed that, that Gildas Club brings to the community there. Well, it's a wonderful organization, and I feel very proud about it because I was uh, part of another organization that seeded uh, the money to enable um, Gildas Club to be in the South Jersey area. And I was in the forming stages uh, working with the staff on uh, what programs to have and who to invite. And and it was very, very uh, rewarding to see that that was being accomplished. And uh, so I have uh, been to their cooking uh, classes. Mm. I was there for uh, some uh, help, you know, support groups. And also I go there for the Reiki, which is just wonderful. So it is a very warm, you know, encompassing community that you feel wonderful when you go there. Wow, that's terrific, and, and we thank you for your involvement and participation in helping us get off the ground there and, uh, you know, again, open since 
2002, so another year or two coming up on the 10th anniversary of being uh, in existence there. And as I mentioned at the opening of the show, um, in 2009, the wellness community and Gilda's Club joined forces to become the cancer support community. So we've got now a network of 50 affiliates across the country where we are providing support groups, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction for people with lung cancer, for people with all cancers, uh, and for their family members and loved ones. We also have programs for children who have someone with cancer in the family. So, And all of these programs are free uh, to our members. So um, we appreciate all that you're doing there, Lois, and, and uh, your support. You. Um, because you really, in our, in our eyes, you're the expert, Lois, on cancer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so oh, you know, it's a distinction I would have liked to have missed. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's a it's a club that you don't necessarily want to belong to, right? <laughs> but I'm glad to be here and be an advocacy for it uh, because uh, it it just um, I get very um, intense with it and kind of uh, angry that it is so underfunded and, and and pushed into the back rooms and not being really addressed as it rightfully should be. That's right, and we're really working to make sure that social and emotional support are integrated as part of the standard of care in cancer treatment. Right. Um, just, you're, just like your doctor says, you have to have this surgery, get this chemo, we want the doctors to start saying, and you also have to go get some support services because that's a critical part of, 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 your, of your cancer care plan. You know, to have a complete cancer care plan, it needs to include these kinds of support services. So um, I also want to mention that uh, we recently launched a, a, a booklet called Frankly Speaking About Lung Cancer. Um, it is a print book and a companion educational workshop. It addresses patient empowerment. It includes tools to really navigate living with a lung cancer diagnosis. And I'm going to tell you where you can get those materials for free. Uh, At the end of the show, we can send you a booklet or you can access those materials um, online and also find a schedule of of our workshops uh, around the country. so, um, so Lois, so there's some really great resources out there. We talked about Guilds Club Cancer Support Community, but let's talk a little bit about the importance of a kind of a core support team. Tell us about your friends and your family and, and how those in your kind of close network helped you through your cancer experience. They were wonderful. I mean, uh, especially after the second diagnosis, uh, my sis- my daughter just uh, took the, uh, you know, the- she just took charge and tried to find me a support group so I could be with other people. I'm, um, and the support group I joined was uh, with uh, Shore Memorial Hospital. And the thing was, it was all cancers. It wasn't just lung cancer. Mm -hmm. And so you had sort of like a camaraderie. And there you didn't feel like any stigmatism there because uh, everybody had cancer. And they were there uh, trying to get through and deal with their own um, problems and how to deal with their chemo and so forth and so on. So... um, but that that was that was uh, that was the main thing, you know, how uh, the support group around here helps. And, and you were, you're Lois. I know you're an advocate. You're an activist. I, you're also a founder of a group called Every Breath Counts Foundation. Tell us about that quickly. Okay. Uh, well, the Oncology Nurse Society of South Jersey decided that there wasn't a real voice out there for lung cancer, especially in the South Jersey area, which, by the way, in Atlantic and Cape May County do have higher incident rates of lung cancer than uh, the rest of Jersey, New Jersey. So it's kind of alarming. And uh, they decided to put together a uh, walk 
and I uh, was asked to join them through uh, one of their members, and I became like the uh, poster child. And um, I am just so thrilled with this group of women who and men who are trying to make a voice out there because that's the hardest thing. Not enough of us live long enough to be a yeah. uh, speaker on um, lung cancer. We don't have... Yeah that core group, yes. but my family, back to them, they just um, stood beside me and helped me with whatever I, I needed and um, even ate the food that I ate. So it was, oh, wow. it was a very uh, together good feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lois, you're such an inspiration, I have to tell you. Isn't she, Dr. Cataldo? Indeed. I mean, you're <laughs> absolutely right. The way oh, you've maintained your positive attitude and social support is so important. It's, it's one of the worries about stigma is that people report that they begin to feel isolated and lose their support systems. Right, right. Well, people, uh, it all, it's all in your mind. I, I do have some people that I know that don't even want to face, they, the person, one person does have lung cancer and she doesn't want to face it that she does and she wants to push it in. She herself wants to push it into the uh, deep dark corners of her, you know, closets mm-hmm. and, and not, and not address it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need to be out there, fight for it, and get get the word out because mm-hmm. th- they need money. They need money for research. Well, let's and, go to that. Let's go to uh, unfortunately, that. yeah. Go ahead, Doctor. Go ahead. Unfortunately, it's not enough going yeah. to research. Yeah. So let's get to that, Doctor Cataldo. I know that you've got some research going on, particularly looking at at the issue of of, of lung cancer and stigma. Tell us what you're tell us what you're working on. Well, when I first went to, when I wanted to study it, when I wanted to look at it, um, what I found out was that there was no way to measure it. There was no quantitative way to measure it. I was amazed at how little research there was on the psychosocial aspects of lung cancer. Um, I, I found one study that had been done in um, England, and they mm. had a group talk about it, but there was no way that I could go out and actually measure stigma. So um, I, used focus, I used focus groups of persons with lung cancer. Um, I used that previous research. I interviewed clinicians. Mm-hmm. And then I developed questions to, to develop a lung cancer scale. And I posted them on several lung cancer online support sites, and they have been so um, helpful to me. Um, it, it includes Cancer Support Community, Lung Cancer Alliance, Longevity, American Lung Association, the American Cancer Association, Beverly Fund. They couldn't do enough to mm. help me promote my research and to get the information I needed. And so I was able to develop a tool that is now called the Cataldo Lung Cancer Stigma Scale. Um, and I have to say that the Cataldo is for my parents more than for myself. Right. <laughs> Good for you. Good yeah. for you. So I've taken that scale and um, I've interviewed about, what I guess it's up to about 800 people now. Right. And I've found out that um, there's a high level of experience stigma amongst lung cancer patients, um, at least 80%. They, it affects their lives. We, if there's a high level of lung cancer stigma, there's a decrease in self-esteem. They're much more likely to have depression. And 
their quality of life is diminished, um, and they have decreased social support. So yeah. that just showed me that stigma was very important and that I needed to look um, further. So I also wanted to know if lung cancer stigma had anything to do with lung cancer symptom severity, not just the psychological but also the physical. So I looked mm-hmm. at appetite, fatigue, shortness of breath, pain, yeah. sleep, and I found very strong relationships between them. Mm-hmm. So what it tells me is that stigma can be a very destructive element for a person. Yeah. If they perceive stigma, it affects their health and they have poorer health outcomes. Mm, so it really, really affects the quality of life, your ability to fight the disease. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, so, and, and then let's talk about how how the stigma affects funding for lung cancer research. I mean, I know one of the things that we observed, and you kind of alluded to a little bit also, Lois, is that, that you know, we don't see this advocacy movement right. like we do in breast cancer. Exactly. Because, number one, because of the, I think because of the stigma, and um, mm-hmm. uh, n- number two, because as you said, Lois, unfortunately, when folks are diagnosed with lung cancer, they don't live very long. I mean, that's right. a fact. Right. And so we don't have these advocates who are fighting year after year after year right. for, for more funding and more access and more resources. Right. Um, and, you know, one of my students pointed out, we don't have a ribbon. You know, there you go. We have a ribbon. Yep. We do. <laughs> we, oh, do we have a ribbon? Yeah, we have a white one. A uh, white one. That, yes, uh, for clear lungs. White ribbon for clear lungs. Thank you for that. I can't no wait problem. to tell them. But I think yes. that most people, I mean, I think, okay, so that's new, right? I think most people right. would, don't know that and wouldn't right. know about that. If you that. ask people what the color of the ribbon is for breast cancer, who doesn't right. know that these days, right? right. But, right. but look, you're even in the field and we don't know that, right? Exactly, I exactly. So. <laughs> Genentech, uh, I believe, has them, and maybe you can contact them and, and get their supply. They end that up. would be great. That would be yeah. great. You know, federal yeah. funding is a real problem. Um, yeah. Federal funding for other common cancers are far above that for right. lung cancer. Um, lung cancer receives about $1,200 per death compared to other cancers, right. like breast cancer. They get about $27,000 per death. Prostate, 14000 colon, 6500 and lung cancer only twelve hundred. Right. I mean, wow. that that just blows me away when I so see let's those go, let's go let's go over that again because I think that's stunning. So yeah. breast can- so lung cancer right. in terms of federal funding for right. research around lung cancer right they look at twelve hundred per year number of deaths per year mm-hmm. twelve hundred dollars per death right compared to breast cancer which is twenty seven thousand dollars exactly. per death right. stunning right. It, it is very remarkable. And why, why is that? Tell me why, why that is, Dr. Cataldo. Well, I, I believe it's because of stigma. Yeah. It's yeah. because of the untouchableness that we've created around lung cancer. You know, there's one other reason I think that we have a stigma about smoking and about lung cancer, and it is when we first, as scientists, tried to show that smoking was um, detrimental to people, we focused yeah. on lung cancer. It was the first link that we showed that smoking caused a disease. Right. And so right. That, was, that was, what, 30 years ago? So we've been hammering that home. And, um, cardio- so even in our, even in our uh, efforts around public health and awareness, right. we have reinforced the stigma. Right, right, right. Right. You know, and here's another interesting thing. You know, in 1971, you remember Richard Nixon? Yes. Well, he declared war on cancer. That's right. In the last 40 years, many cancers have increased the survival rates. 
and, and it's been a direct result of that war. And mm-hmm. it's been a result of research, treatment, screening, and diagnostic tools. But in 1971, lung cancer had a five-year survival rate uh, of about 13.2%. And now, four decades later, we're stuck at 15%. Mm. There's been, no, there's been ha- hardly any movement. Wow. Yeah. So we need yeah, more well, awareness. We, yeah. need, we need more federal funding. We more need more need advocacy, more, money. more awareness, more funding. That's great. We're going right. to go into a break uh, quickly now, but those are some great messages to take us into the break, and we will be right back. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Many people in this country are affected by lung cancer, and today, in light of November being National Lung Cancer Awareness Month, we've been discussing this disease. We've also been talking about the helpful resources available to people who are affected by a lung cancer diagnosis. Um, we're moving into the kind of final portion of our show. We've had a great, uh, great conversation. Um, Lois, and for those of you just joining us, Lois is a 17-year, 16, 17-year lung cancer survivor um, who's talking about her, uh, her family, her support, her work in advocacy um, in, in the South Jersey um, community. So tell us, Lois, now, how do you cope with being a, a, a cancer survivor? How does survivorship affect how you look at tomorrow, the next day, the future? And, um, uh, you know, also just for, again, for folks who are joining us, Lo- Lois uh, had a lung 
removed um, right. as a result of her cancer. And how, how does that affect your, your, your quality of life, Lois? Well, it really doesn't. Um, people are amazed uh, at my, first of all, how I look. I do go to a uh, integrative medicine doctor, and he gives me all kinds of supplements besides my Torceva that I am on for three years to, because it has come back in a very small um, part of my lung. And so uh, I do walk almost every day, three, four miles with no problem. And again, like I say, I try to eat as healthy as possible with the, um, you know, the fruits and vegetables and organic yep. stuff so that I don't have any problems with, you know, fighting chemicals. Right. And uh, so I, I feel very good about myself. I, uh, my motto is one day at a time. Uh, I go, I'm glad to get up and be part of the day and thankful when I go to bed. So um, I just, I'm just very proud. Uh, and in a way, uh, kind of not glad that I had gotten lung cancer, but uh, I don't feel ashamed by it for myself. Well, Lois, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping you and I can have a walk on the boardwalk one of these days down, down the shore. I don't know if I don't. Does Mac and Manco Pizza fit into the macrobiotic diet? <laughs> well, I'm not, sure. not really, but I do, <laughs> I do imbibe a little. Because <laughs> you know that's my favorite, the Mac and Manco. So right. We'll I'm have just, to have Doctor Cataldo join us. Yeah, exactly. Come, come, exactly. come, come east. <laughs> well, you know, I am from the east, so no problem. I'll come okay. back in the spring. I'm going there to you go. We'll winter. take you for some, some mm-hmm. mac and manco, and we'll take a long walk on the boardwalk. <laughs> so, so, Dr. Cataldo, tell us, what are some things that, that people dealing with a lung cancer diagnosis can do today to take action, to feel empowered, to help fight that stigma that we know exists out there in society? Well, I think model themselves after Lois is a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's job Thank one. You. That's mm-hmm. job one. <laughs> And um, and she's a model of advocacy. Uh, I think people need to go out and advocate for lung cancer. Um, join advocacy networks. The um, online support communities for lung cancer are enormous, and I've been so impressed with how helpful they are and how much they are used by lung cancer patients. So right. we've talked about social support being very important. Well, support... From other lung cancer patients, I think Lois addressed this, is also critical. Um, so I think on um, cancer support community, you're very active in getting people together and being able to support each other. Um, so I can't say that enough. Right. And the I, other I, thing about the funding is contact your Congress people. Mm-hmm. And there mm-hmm. is a bill out there called the Lung Cancer Mortality Reduction Bill. Mm. And you you need to write to your Congress people and tell them to support that bill. It addresses attitudes. It addresses funding. It addresses education. Um, that would be immensely helpful. Mm. And one of one of my members happens yeah. to be a wife of our local congressman down here, yeah. Congressman Lobiondo. And when her father came down with lung cancer, he championed the cause of can of lung cancer and. Tried to, has, in, has introduced bills into the uh, house. Excellent. And there's so there's one, a, so there's say one that there again. now. Yeah, so it's the Lung Cancer Mortality, Mortality Reduction, Reduction Bill. Bill. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And you so, can go online and read about it. 
Where can people go? Do, do you have a place where they can go? Yeah, no. Okay. Well, we, you know, <laughs> we'll get that. I should, we will have, get I that. should have brought that. But no, if no, you no, Google it, yeah, it, it we'll get up. it. Perfect. And we'll get okay. some information onto our website about that as well. Great. Uh, just for folks listening, take a, grab your pen. Um, it's the Lung Cancer Mortality Reduction Bill. Right. So, so do a Google search on it. We'll put some information on our, on our website Thank about you. it as well so that you can reach out to your members of Congress to support that, uh, uh, to support that bill. As we move towards the, uh, towards the end of our show, I'd like to ask um, both of you, um, what advice, would you give to a person with cancer, somebody that's just been diagnosed with lung cancer, somebody who's, you know, actively battling the disease, somebody right. who is a, a lung cancer survivor and wants to, get, wants to, you know, get involved in some other ways? I'm going to start with you, Lois. What, what advice would you give to somebody who's, who's been diagnosed with lung cancer? Well, I know if they're freshly diagnosed and they're going through the throes of uh, recuperation, it's kind of difficult. But once they have recuperated, if they would join groups like mm-hmm. such as Gild- in Gilda's Club, uh, the lung cancer group there, and uh, there are uh, support uh, groups that raise money, and you feel good about that. Uh, my group is having a walk this Sunday, Saturday at the pier at Caesars, and I am so excited about it because we're having all these people show up, and there are lung cancer survivors that will be there. So it's, it's so important just to, for your own mind's sake, to be uh, out there finding out about lung cancer, finding what's out there for yourself, and helping others to get through this. And, and anybody who is suffering from lung cancer and they want to talk, I'm always available. Oh, so wonderful, wonderful. Dr. Cataldo, for folks listening today, if they've been diagnosed with lung cancer, what advice would you give them? Be informed. Mm. Find the facts about lung cancer. There's so many myths out there about lung cancer. Be informed. Support, support, support. Get people in your corner for support and um, go online and find support there as well. You'll find information. Um, And in these support groups, there's help to um, how to deal with people who say to you, did you smoke? And what to say and what that feels like when people say it to you. And then the, the other thing is yeah. that I think for clinicians, um, the cancer su- support community has planned yeah. a webinar for healthcare professionals because yeah. they need information too. They have a lot of misinformation. Right. And their webinar is going to address lung cancer stigma by evaluating specifically the barriers to communication. So there's movement in many directions. And I know, Dr. Capaldo, we're going to be so pleased to be working with you on that project, which is going to be available in early uh, 2011. Um, you have both been uh, terrific guests. It's been an amazing uh, conversation today. Um, Lois Schoen-Brown, I want to thank you for, for being here, for sharing your own My uh, cancer experience. Um, as we said, Lois is involved with our Gildas Club in South Jersey, and again, I want to give a shout out to the group there. They're just a wonderful group of Absolutely. folks um, doing some great work in South Jersey. Lois is also the president of the Every Breath Counts Foundation um, to raise awareness of lung cancer research and support, um, and so so just happy to let folks know about both of those organizations. Also, want to thank Dr. Janine Cataldo, as I mentioned. Dr. Cataldo is a research nurse um, with uh, UCSF University of California at San Francisco, a longstanding partner of our organization, the Cancer Support Community, and 
and uh, she's doing some amazing research um, in lung cancer, uh, clinical focus in lung cancer, lung cancer stigma, stigma burden, quality of life, and, and uh, it's so critical that we have folks like you, Dr. Cataldo, in the field doing this kind of work and raising the awareness of, of uh, up stigma and lung cancer. So I want to thank you both. Right. Uh, for being Can I with just us. say one thing? Do we? Yeah. Um, uh, our group not only does it give to the South Jersey Cancer Fund, we also give to Longevity. And oh yes. To South and to the Lung Cancer Alliance in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we give locally and looking and for research and for people who are advocating uh, lung cancer. And I'm happy to say that Longevity and Lung Cancer Alliance are both partners of the cancer support community. Right. Um, Can I give a plug? Please. Um, I have a um, a research project that is helping lung cancer patients quit smoking if they're still smoking Mm -hmm. at the time of diagnosis or any time after. And they can go to Lung Cancer Alliance, Longevity, American Cancer Society, Beverly Fund, and there'll be a link there with my research, and I will be glad to work with you um, for six months and help you. You don't have to say you're going to quit but I can help you think about it. Oh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that, and and, and we'll do everything we can to get the information out about that, and and hopefully we can get that up on our website as well. So that's fantastic. So um, I mentioned earlier in the show the Cancer Support Community has, frankly speaking, about lung cancer. It's a comprehensive booklet and a series of workshops around the country uh, with uh, information on treatment decision-making, side effect management, improving quality of life, coping with cancer. We also have another booklet called, frankly speaking, about small cell lung cancer. Um, specific to people who are facing small cell lung cancer. To order um, your free copy of either of these booklets or to find out more about the Cancer Support Community's programs, visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-793-9355. There's also a place on that homepage uh, if you'd like to make a donation and support the work of our organization. Um, we, we would certainly love to have your support so we can continue providing these free programs and services to all people touched by cancer. So uh, thanks for a great episode today. I want to thank our guests. Uh, we hope that uh, our listeners learned a lot from the valuable information discussed today. I'm sure they did um, uh, ask everybody to do their part for Lung Cancer Awareness Month. Um, we want to dedicate today's show to all people uh, who are affected by, um, by lung cancer. So thanks for listening in today. And until next time, be well. Do well. Live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org.